Join me, Charlie Teal, the host of The Call to Create, as we sit down today with Ricardo Waits, the creator of COBLA, the Central Oregon Black Leaders Assembly. All right, so today we're sitting down with Ricardo Waits. Thank you for being here today, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, Ricardo, you are... You have a, a pretty impressive past and an impressive present as well, but <clears throat> your background is you were you served in the Navy, right, and, and submarines. Yeah. How long were you in there? How long did you do that? Uh, I was in the Navy for a total of eight years. Okay. Uh, so I did my first four years where I was on a fast attack submarine, uh, USS San Francisco 7-Eleven. Shout out to all my submariners out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I spent four years there, and then I went to shore duty uh, where I was with ACB-1, uh, Construction Battalion Unit, the Seabees, over on Coronado and okay. uh, over there for a while. Now, when you, <clears throat> when you got into the Navy, did you know that submarines was the direction you wanted to go in? What no, my uh, my great uncle was attempting to uh, keep me out of trouble. My my great uncle Paul was a merchant marine, uh, very respected in my family, world traveler. Uh, so I was kind of running wild at sixteen, seventeen, uh, just doing my thing, you know, trying right. to figure out my place in life, and. Uh, he didn't like the direction I was going. So he told me, uh, tomorrow I'm picking you up at 9 a.m. I want you to be in your best suit. Make sure your shoes are shine. And we're going to go get you a job. And I said, cool. All right, whatever you say, because, you know, he's the right. He's the guy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you don't tell him no. So I, yes, sir, I'm, I'll be ready. So I was ready, and he took me down to the Navy recruiter, and he, <laughs> he said, if you pass this ASVAB test, you're going into the military, and, you know, you don't tell him no. So that's how I got in. Okay. <laughs> so he was in the Merchant Marine. Yeah, he was in the Merchant Marines. Okay. Uh, he, he was just a great guy. I really miss him. Uh, yeah. He taught me a lot about what it is to be black. Uh, he's been to Africa several times. I'm waiting for my mother to give me some of the paintings he did while he was okay. there. Uh, he was just a great guy, and uh, right. I really miss him. Yeah. So I guess he, when did he pass away? Oh, he passed away. Whew, 97. Okay, okay, so while Yeah, back. it's been a while. Okay. I wasn't sure from the way you were saying that if that was like a recent thing. Or well, it still hurts. You, know? still, you, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. you never forget your loved one, yeah. especially someone that was that important yeah. to me personally. Right, right. As many times as I, I ran. He used to live across the street when I was, you know, eight, nine. So right. to go over to his house and spend the day was nothing. So. Right. And where did you grow up? Toledo, Ohio. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I don't know much about that area. I had family like in the Akron area, but mm. I don't really know Toledo. That's on the other side of the state. Toledo's known for, uh, well, when I was young, glass. It was the glass city. Oh. Uh, so uh, Toledo, uh, and also the the auto industries there. Um, but it's right there by Lake Erie, so it's, it's all kind of different stuff to do. Okay. 
So it's not just big was it city. A, was it a cool place to grow up? Did you no. enjoy that? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. I mean, I, I knew a lot of good people and a lot of great people, right. but my childhood wasn't fun. Right. It wasn't cool. You know, <laughs> it was a struggle to survive, to, right. to be alive, even though uh, my family wasn't, you know, in that lifestyle. Uh, I think that makes it even harder when uh, your family's trying to provide a good example mm -hmm. for you to follow, uh, when there's so much else going on where, you know, you walk out the door and you see guys have money but no jobs, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, my cousin, who is uh, a rapper, he, he did a rap song and he said, uh, no, I ain't got no job, but I've been working all day, you know, and that kind of lifestyle, you see that as a kid, you, you want the money, you want the cars, right. you know. Right. So, yeah. Especially if that's the only thing you see, the only way to get yeah, to that. Yeah, you can either, I watched, I grew up a lot of my years with my grandparents, uh, so... I, my, my grandmother was a 35 year worker at the post office. And okay. My grandfather owned a bar before I was born and uh, after that became a painter and retired as a painter. So um, growing up watching them work hard and, and be gone all day and mm -hmm. that kind of thing, it makes you think because look at where we're living. We got two people working 40 hours a week. One's working for the government and the other one's working a good paying job, but we're still living in my grandfather's mother's house. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's the comparison that young people have to have to see, so. Right. And did, uh, did <laughs> was your, I'm sorry, was it your great uncle? Yeah. Your great uncle, was he right? Was the Navy, did that do, he was did that right. set you on a good path? He, he was right and he was wrong. No, my path stayed the same. Right. Um, because my, that's where I was mentally at that age, you know. Um, I didn't think a lot about anything but having fun and making money. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the tooth. So the military gave me at 18, you know, a free place, a free apartment basically with right. a roommate, you know, free food, good credit, a bank account, and a decent paycheck. Way more than I was making hustling on the streets, you know. Right. Um, so it was good in that way, but it also gave me the, without the, the experience or the knowledge, it gave me enough money to feed my demons. Right, so right. I, I had no idea of savings or investments or anything like that. All I knew was, hey, I got enough money to go party with my friends and be crazy and meet right, girls and right. do that. So uh, that got me in a little trouble. So military's no place to joke around. Right, uh, right. So I got in some trouble while I was there. Um, also, it's it's a place for um, people who are in opposition to my existence being my boss. 
Uh, and that's a big reason that I got out of the military was because of the power struggle of me being black, hardworking, mm -hmm. but having a racist boss, not very fun. Right. And it can make you <clears throat> upset, you know, and, and, and break you down men mentally. Uh, so those were my demons while I was in the military. By the time I, I got a little older, oh my God, there's deer running down the street. <laughs> As <laughs> yes, I got a are. little older, only in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> I right. As I got a little older, uh, I realized, you know, through friendships and early relationships, I got married early when I was in the military. Okay. So, um, that was a disaster because I just, I had no idea about relationships and, you know, what I knew was in the music videos I saw or, right. you know, right. what I learned from seeing friends. So not exactly the best example of how to have a solid relationship. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think is it's a rough time for a lot of people of mm -hmm. color who join the military because you go from this cowboy, you know, crazy lifestyle where it's just rough to survive to very structured overnight. Mm -hmm. And that can be a lot for for people of color to deal with. When I was young, that was the thing, you know. Black man shouldn't be in the military. That was the thoughts from, you know, the kids or the movies I saw or watch. Uh, but when, you know, your great uncle tell you, Uncle Paul tell you, you gotta go, you gotta go, man. <clears throat> right. Yeah, you don't say no to great Uncle Paul. Oh, no, I guess. no, no, no. <laughs> Never. And then you, so you're also, you're a dad as well, right? You have two girls. Uh, yeah, but these are my last two. I have, I, I say nine children, so I have eight children of my own, and then I kind of like, you know, neighborhood adopted one of my girlfriend's daughters, and uh, she was around me from three until, you know, 16, 17, wow, okay. so... Um, even though me and her mother didn't last that long, we maintained our relationship. So um, I've got a total of nine kids, and uh, I love them all dearly. Most of them are grown. These are the last two that are home right, right. now, uh, nine and eight, wow. two little okay. girls, uh, Kaya and Pippi. So how old is your oldest child? My oldest child just turned 30. <laughs> you uh. You made the most of that. Yeah, I made from the most 30 of it. to eight. <laughs> oh yeah, I I, I went big. <laughs> I, if you're gonna do it, do it big. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and right when you were getting out of it, you're like, no, I'm gonna jump yeah. back in. Well, the the thing about it is, again, it's the access to knowledge when you're a person mm -hmm. of color growing up. You know, I didn't think, I didn't know how to deal with relationships, and you know, I surely didn't pay attention in sex education class right, in school right. not that it was a great course anyway yeah. um so it's hit and miss when you're when you don't have access to knowledge it's it's it can be crippling uh and that's right. the first 30 years of my life was like that uh so to be able to look back and and, and reflect on that and, and know that that's what helped me build Cobla, knowing that 
lack of knowledge and lack of resources is what we need to move forward. Right, and that that gets us to where we are today, which is you formed Central Oregon Black Leaders Assembly, and I like I like what you say on your website about like your your the, the, your very specific choice of words of assembly like and black leaders of trying to trying to create an organization open to anyone who wants to to unify and bring well I'm, I'll let you describe it better than I ever could <laughs> well um yeah it's it's I'm pretty sure it's the first organization of its kind in Central Oregon so um Kobla's goal is to put a safety net around people of color in Central Oregon, black people in particular. Um, so we want to not only protect them, um, but also enrich their lives and help them in any way we can. Um, so one of the biggest things that I wanted to do and what I thought about uh, when creating Kobla was how. How do we make change and I'm almost 52, so I want to see change before I die. So that's how I was thinking. How can I make change before I pass? Change for my daughters. And I thought about my childhood. And I thought about, I spent a lot of time at my grandfather's house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my grandfather had 11 children. <clears throat> um, and so I... My family does not play around. They don't. Has children. They don't. <laughs> How many cousins and aunts and uncles? I and can't stuff? count. <laughs> I can't count. It, it's a lot. Okay. It's a lot. And fun to keep up with. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you all stay in touch and you're all connected? Well, we try different parts of the family. We're spread out, too, over all across the United States. I would so, imagine. Um, it, we're spread out, but we keep in touch. Thank God for, you know, social yeah. media and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, right. Um, it's good for that, at least. Oh, yeah. So a lot, good. A lot that it's not good for, but it's good for <laughs> So right. So, so I was I, I was thinking uh, when I was when I was younger, what did I need mm-hmm. to succeed? And my mother wasn't around a lot. Um, not that you know, a lot of mothers weren't around a lot. My father was definitely not in my life until mm-hmm. you know my 20s Um, but my mother still cared for me she wanted the best for me even though she was out doing whatever she was doing um, she tried to look out for me as best she could she let me stay with my grandparents who lived in one of the most violent vicious neighborhoods at the time when, uh, when I was growing up um, real near City Park in Toledo. Uh, Belmont Avenue is the avenue we grew okay. up on. And um, so living in that house, two-bedroom house with, you know, 13 people in it, um, my mom didn't want me to go to school there either. Uh, so she lied about our address so I could go to the white school across town. Mm-hmm. This was my really my first experience of leaving where I live to go and see things how other people lived of different color. So I would either ride this bus 
city bus or uh, ride a bike to school. So I would get on the bus and it was like going from a thunderstorm to Hawaii. You know, you, you see so much decimation and, and, and bad things and liquor store, grocery store, liquor store, <laughs> gun shower, pawn shop. Um, and then it starts getting brighter, you know, and the streets are right. cleaner and the air smelled better, you know. Um, and I met these three girls at my high school, DeVilvis High School. Uh, they were the Grabarczyk sisters, Polish girls raised by a single mom. They lived two blocks from our high school. Uh, so we became friends, and I would spend time at their house after school mm -hmm. and have dinner and um, just hang out with them. Um, their mother was gracious to me. I still talk to these people to oh, this day. But I would learn different things. Now, after a while, I started noticing the differences in conversation between the two households. At my grandpa's house, it's, what are we gonna feed the kids tonight? Or who needs clothes? Or how is everybody gonna get to school on time? You know, everybody had orders and things. Survival talk is what I called it. Okay. At the Grabarzik's house, I would hear things like, Make sure you get a business of your own, get a bank account. Um, think about investing in the stock market, get some bonds, build generational wealth, buy a house, this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. They were really great. Taught me how to play piano, all kind of stuff. This family, I love them. Um, but the difference is, and that, that's when it hit me, that's the difference. I didn't have that knowledge. Everybody on this whole side of town is missing that little bit of knowledge that's basic for the Grabar's right. existence. Right. So that led me to think, uh, how do I, I institute knowledge and make change quickly? And that's when the internship program was born. So I figured if I can place uh, people of color into uh, a job that they wouldn't normally have access to okay. on their own, either not being able to afford school for it or having some type of record or something like that. If I can get them into a 120 to 180 day paid internship, then that's gonna help if they are able to land a job with that company. If not, at least they have that on a resume, which looks yeah. really good. So And that knowledge too. And that knowledge, knowledge you get. And I was really surprised at the amount of businesses that reached out um, to us when we announced that program on right. Juneteenth. Um, so being able to do that was great. Then I said, how can we help them better? Well. I don't know about you, but it's really, really, really hard to focus on your job if you're working a dangerous job like construction or something like that or driving a submarine. It's really hard to focus when you're hungry, when right. you have stressors in your life. So in order to, to fix that, I said, okay, so if 
they need whatever they need until that first paycheck will take care of. Because sometimes that first paycheck's two weeks, three right, weeks. Right. Your rent's coming up. You haven't been working. <laughs> you know, that's... We just wanted them to be able to focus on the internship and do the best that they could. What's the age group of people that are in this internship? Our first intern was, is 16 years old. Okay. Uh, he's working for a company called Ben Sauce, brand new out here. They have amazing hot sauce and spices. I think I've seen... Yeah, they're out on Wall Street in Oregon right, right now. Um, and uh, Maxwell is his name. He's one of our core Cobla members. This kid's incredible. He's a he's got a four piece jazz band. Um, he's just great. I love this kid. Wow. Uh, he's black and Jewish. I just everything about this guy is is just great. Um, so uh, sixteen to whatever age you have the the interest and the energy to attack it. If you come to me at 40 years old and you got the energy and the hunger to do it, I'm going to try to give you a chance, you know. That's, That's awesome. all some of these people need is a chance. So Koblen wants to take care of, you know, if they need a suit for these tech jobs, if they need shoes, haircuts, mm -hmm. clothing, safety equipment, We'll take care of their rent if their rent's due uh, for that month. We'll pay, pay their bills, their cell phone bills, whatever we got to do right. to make sure all they have to focus on is work. We just got a van, so we'll be driving people to work who don't have cars. Whatever we can do, that's what Cobla's willing to do. And that's, what I, that's the kind of organization I want is what do we do? And I, Sometimes it's unorthodox. Sometimes right. you got to go the route that everybody else has gone. But uh, a lot of times you got to create that new path. And we're all about creating that path and, yeah. and challenging ourselves in, in helping people. So, And I like, too, that one of your stated goals is to get more black business people to move to Central Oregon. Yeah. I mean, you seem to love... I mean, there's kind of a love-hate aspect to it, I'm sure, but you seem to love Ben. You seem to love being here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're here, right? Yeah. I mean, probably for all the same reasons. <laughs> right. The kids. Oh, my the gosh. The schools, the parks. It's yeah. an amazing place. And yeah. there's so many good people here. And I'm going to use this terminology widely. There's so many good white people here. Um, when the George Floyd thing started... I thought to myself, this is the place to make change um, because there are a lot of white people here who are listening and want to help and reach out to us daily. So many that I got to say, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. I'll get back to you when I catch up. That's a good problem um, to have. Right? You know, it is a good yeah. problem to have. But I think Central Oregon is the perfect place to do that. We have been and then there's Redmond, and then you start, you know, out in yep. the Lapine and yep. Primeville. Now we got a little tension. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So it's a little we, we got a little bit of everything that we can take care of mm -hmm. right here and, and, and make everybody equal and just free, true freedom. I want that American flag to mean something to me because right. right now it means pain, you know, and I served <clears throat> eight years in the military. And right. It, 
it means pain to me and it means pain and hurt and lies to every black person in America, uh, every person of color in America. Um, so we want that to change. We, we, we want that to change. So right. um, it's really funny to me that everybody's in agreement. Most people, especially when you speak to sheriff's office, police chiefs, uh, city council, um, school boards, everybody's in agreement. There's systematic inequality. Okay. Everybody's in agreement. Right. What's taking so long for change? If we all agree, why can't we just change it? Why is there, we got to go through this initiative, we got to go through this. It should just go right through. No problem, right? Because we all agree. We want everybody to be equal because mm -hmm. it's America, but... That's where, in my own personal mind, I question or wonder. Like I said, I'm almost 52. I've seen, you know, all these uprisings and protests before. Right. You know, I have a tattoo on my arm of Tommy Smith from the 1968 Olympics, you know, when they did yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I was born that day. That day? I was born that exact day, October 16th, wow. 1968. Um, so I feel like it's my destiny to be doing this type of work and trying to help people, black people especially, to get to that next step of generational wealth, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully uh, our internship program turns people over and they come back after they start their own businesses right. and, and want to help. And that grows to where other communities start looking at us and seeing, hey, over there in Central Oregon, they're doing things cool in a different way. And maybe they want to jump in and, and, and try that, too. Now, you had said in your interview, I think, with The Source, you talked about you felt that the, like, the police department here in Bend was as... I think you had said as as racist. Or you really want to go down? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm curious as to what that experience is, or what that what experience that's based on. Or Oregon's beautiful. It's a great place. Central Oregon, Bend especially. I love it here. I've been here 20 years. Yeah. Don't ever think there's not racism here. Don't think there's not police corruption and br brutality here. Um, so I've had a lot of bad experiences, some brought on by my own. Remember, not having that knowledge when you're mm -hmm. young. Some of it brought on by my own issues. Okay. Um, but most of it, 99.9% .9 of it, is just daily life for a person of color, a black person especially. It's just, it's just what it is. Um, but it shouldn't be that way. And I was tired of couch activism and sitting right. on my couch saying, this is nuts, um, until we all unite together and, and, and be on the same page. Uh, we're not gonna get anywhere in this movement. And, Honestly, I'm feeling a slipping in the traction of what's going on right now. Oh, really? I do. <clears throat> I do. How is that when you say slipping of traction? Like, what's. Well, there's what a lot see? of things that are going on that I feel like people are forgetting what the goal is. 
uh, a lot. And I, I'm just speaking broadly here. Okay. When I look around and I see other organizations, you know, out there doing their, I see, I see three groups right now. Okay. I see our group. I see Central Oregon Diversity Project. And I, I freaking love Ben for BLM. If you guys never heard of them, look them up. This is a group of incredible kids, young kids, 17, 15, 16. And they're the future leaders, you know, and they're incredible. That's the, that's the group to watch if you want to watch young okay. people. And that's, so what was the name of that group? Bend for, Bend for BLM. BLM. Okay. I, I really love those kids. Um, try to include them in everything we do. Um, but after those three groups, I'm, I'm, it's kind of hard for me to pick one of the other groups and say, hey, I'm with what they're doing. You know, okay. I'm with, I like what they're doing. I see what they're doing. For me, and a lot of people are going to hate this, but I'm about truth. And in these times, truth needs to be told. These other organizations that have been around, I'm not seeing out on the front lines. I'm not seeing in the streets. They didn't help me load no water. I would like to see more of that. Now, some people from each group, each of these groups, have reached out to us and and asked if you know they can help anyway. But being a new organization, I feel like I gotta vet everybody because there's infiltrators. Um, we've already been infiltrated, you know, mm. our group that I had to fix somehow, you know, and that's just, it's, it's not a war, but it is, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because uh, this oppression, it, these people aren't just going to give it up, you know, right. The people that have all this power, they're not just not going to, yeah, why not? You know, it's, it's not going to, until we all unite, it's power in numbers. Once we have the numbers, people didn't start listening to me until I created COBLA. Like, I've called every principal here. When uh, the young man hung himself, Yeah. Uh, when he did that, Deshaun did that, I called every high school, Summit especially. They all fluffed me, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's unfortunate. They say all the right things that they should say to a concerned parent. Right. But when that phone hangs up, it's over, you know? But what they didn't know is a lot of kids I have access to. I've lived here 20 years. Right. A lot of uh, kids, I know their parents, you know, so they come through to me. They they tell me what's going on in school. So I know what's going on in a lot of these schools from a student's level and a student of color's point of view. Right. Um, but when I called and addressed the principal of Ben High about the N-word problem being thrown up and down my street, up and down, I had, at that time, the girls were seven and six. And since we were, we had just moved, I had to walk the girls at 6.30 in the morning up to Ben High School to catch a bus so they could 
go to school across town at their right. elementary okay. school. All we would hear is inward this, inward that. All the way up the street while we're waiting on the bus. They're six and seven. When I spoke to some of the students that went there, they said, yeah, they, they just say it all the time like it's nothing and it really hurts my feelings, it bothers me. But if I say something, nothing's gonna happen. Right. So I called the school and addressed that. Fluff, get off the phone, nothing happens. That same girl that told me the kids used it, she said, you called the school, didn't you? <laughs> Uncle, you called the school. I said, yeah, I called the school. She said, you know how I know? Because I saw the principal running up and down the hallways telling people not to talk like that. Right. But guess what, Uncle? The next day he stopped when we didn't see him and everything went back to normal. So being a single concerned parent doesn't cut it. Being black and concerned really doesn't cut it. So until COBLA was made, now these people are calling me. Now they want to set up because there's power in numbers. 500 paying members, you know, that's that a strong state. Is that where you are now? Yeah, we're over, uh, last time I checked, 562. God, that's, and how long have you, this hasn't been in existence May 31st was the day I made the Facebook page. May 31st? Yeah. May, yeah, so we're not even... Not even. Not even a couple of months. I mean, yeah. May 31st, now we're, what, mid-July? Mm-hmm. And you've got and over 500. That years. speaks volumes. That says the people want change mm-hmm. to me because most of, most of our members aren't black. Most of our members aren't people of color. Right. There's way more white people than people of color. But to have that many that yeah. are on the same uh, mindset of thinking and heart set of thinking, man, I've been so shocked <laughs> by the whole thing that it, it's really touching to me. So I want to take advantage of that right. by uh, doing stuff in the community now. Right. Um, We've, we've done our protesting. We've done our sit-ins. We did our education on your rights. Uh, we'll do more things. Um, but now I really want to push hard on getting into these schools. That's why I spoke with the Prineville uh, superintendent uh, for Cook County. And uh, we have a meeting set up with the Ben Lapine superintendent. Okay. Uh, one of our members, Maxwell, the amazing young man I talked about, had a, a, a meeting with Senator Merkel. Merkel? Yeah. Merkel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about what's going on in our school system. So here he is, 16 years old, talking to senators. That's incredible. Cobla builds leaders, man, but he yeah. was already there, you know. Um, so I lost my train of thought. That's all right. So when you when when you have these meetings with the superintendents of the school systems and stuff, what is your what's your focus? What are you trying to? What's the message you want to get through? We need better curriculum. We need a curriculum that tells the truth. We do not need our. equal rights history to stop at the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and then nothing after. Uh, That sends a message that it's over. 
you right. know, if you think about it. And it's not over. We're still struggling here. It is 2020. And the same thing that was happening to black people in 1965 is still happening. So the reason the Voting Act even went through in the first place was because Martin Luther King was murdered and there were riots. Mm -hmm. So that that put pressure to have the Voting Rights Act. But to stop the history there, there's way more history after that. Right. Every year, my daughters come home with the same two things. A drawing they did themselves of Martin Luther King, and they talk about, you know, picking cotton and slavery. Um, there's way so much more that they could be learning. Um, and to just restrict it to the month of February is just... It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, so we really want a big push for a change in curriculum. That's the first thing. Two, we got to get rid of in Central Oregon the racism that's going on with, in schools. How do we do that? Cobla's plan to do that is to create a community committee because we're in firm belief that we no longer need, we have enough elected officials and people that we pay to take care of these things. Mm -hmm. They're still happening, so maybe we need a community committee that's gonna come in and find out who's the problem, which one of our paid, paid people are dropping the ball. Figure out where the problem is and get rid of it. We need stiff penalty. We need to start talking to some of these parents because where are the kids learning this stuff? So parents need to be held responsible if their kid is in school doing racist acts uh, or bullying even. Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes for not just black kids, not just people of color, for every child in school. We don't want to see that at all. School is supposed to be fun and a place where they get the knowledge. Right. And right now it's neither. They're right. not getting the knowledge. It's lies in their school books and kids are getting bullied and, and, and beat on and killing themselves over it. Right. Let's not, let's not do that anymore. Right. Like, that shouldn't happen. Well, the, the two things that I hear coming through from what I've seen on your website and from talking with you is knowledge, education, and learning about business and getting you know it's explicitly stated on your website like getting more black business owners to start businesses here bring their companies here bring business here yeah and we're on the constant hunt for that i have um arms uh in about nine states right now and they're constantly on the look for professionals of color who are looking to relocate. Um, and then we offer Bend. Now, here's the problem with that right Sorry, now. Sorry, you offer? We offer Central Oregon. Okay, So right. we say, hey, come to Central Oregon. Gotcha. We have this position open. Okay, and so, but here's the problem that we run into. If you're a business professional, you're going to research where you're moving. Right. If you research when you're moving, the first thing, if you're a black lawyer, you're going to research here and say, wait a minute, I don't <laughs> see nobody that yeah. looks like me right. there. And I became a lawyer to help my people, so I, maybe I don't want to be there. Or if, they, if it's now and they're looking at the time 
the Time article that came out on the protests in Primeville. Um, they're going to think, hey, there's some type of racial tension in this town um, because that's the truth of it. That's Primeville's reputation to people of color. Um, So that's the roadblock for us. Yeah, we know. And I I spend a lot of time talking to these people um, and trying to convince them, hey, we're trying to build a black economy out here. We're trying to build something special. Don't be afraid of the little numbers of people of cover. We have good white people here. That's what I tell them. We have good white people here. Come on. Come out for a couple of weeks. We'll take care of it. You know, that's how we're going to have to do it. Because if they research it on their own, it's it's a big negative, especially if they have families. And I have to think, like right now, with what's going on with COVID and, I mean, trying to get anyone to pick up and move or consider that right now i mean you know we're sitting here six feet away from each other we're trying to do it all right and and traveling right now is is a weird and awkward experience i i have to think like that's that doesn't make it any easier i'm sure no no but here's the thing before covid hit they were still planning on relocating right so we can talk about it i can send you information that's why it's important to me to try to get these people on the phone or or get them in a zoom video uh, conference because it's important that we create this black economy it's got to happen throughout the united states but us being a central organ program or a central organ organization, it starts here. Right. Um, later on, you know, I, I would hope that other areas adopt what we're doing to make change. Right. Um, but got to start somewhere. Yeah. And like I said, good white people here. Way to go. We got to <laughs> we got to do something. I'm excited about the potential of central organ right. to do some things. What I what I like about everything you're saying is that you're you you have a plan of action and a plan that moves everyone forward, where you're trying to create new business and you're trying to get people of color into business and experienced in business and there there's an actual to me that that economic force is a powerful powerful force yes, if you create. Yes. Like you, as you describe it, a black economy or black people moving and shaking in the in the professional economic world here in Central Oregon. That's an that's I think that the the effect that will have will be far bigger than even even if the numbers are small, the effect will be big. Oh yeah, yeah it it definitely will be and and what a great place to do it like i said this is the place everybody is man so much support right and of course there's always that other side but i always expected that so i don't really pay attention to it i just try to stay focused on the goal um where i see other people slipping and I just want us all to just hold each other's hand and say, okay, here we go. Right. And go do it. But uh, I have real concerns, if you haven't noticed. I have real concerns about organizations here. Right. Like the other the other groups you've mentioned that 
aren't it's a big aren't showing up the it's way a big, you think well uh, yeah aren't showing up and, and it's a whole game to it you got to remember there's another side to this there's a side that doesn't want Kobla to succeed that side's in power mm-hmm. right so how do they be in power but try to look like they're down with the cause they have to choose people who look like me that aren't uh, that aren't a challenge for them that they can allow to talk and and say what they have to say because the words that they are saying are softer words. Okay. They're not challenging words. They're softer words. And that's something that they can control and say, but at the same time say, oh, we're Black Lives Matter, man. We're down with the movement, like all the fluff letters that everybody put out when this right. whole thing started. Um, so we have to remember that there's another force that we're, it's not just us. Um, and that's what I feel like some of the city officials, some of the power structure in Central Oregon have these pieces in these other groups. Okay. Okay. So that's why it's taken me a long time to try to figure out. I know, I, I'm not going to say any names, but they're... There's several that I've seen. I did, uh, and the Source Weekly is, I don't know if you're, if you know this or not, Source Weekly, but you're guilty of it. Um, and I'm gonna tell you why. The Source Weekly did that article on me, right? Right, and the video as well. Right? And the video, yeah. they gave me a video three minutes or so. Yeah, it, was, right? it looked pretty, it looked like a much longer conversation that they had compressed. The conversation was over an hour. Okay. Um, but, here we go, right? I'm a new organization in town. I'm different from any of the, or we're different from any of the other organizations that have been here. Um, so I get that. I get that article. I get three minutes on the web with a over an hour long talk. I was just on Source Weekly and they had the woman of the year, Erica, I forget her last name, the woman of the year. Uh, they'd had a big article on her, and I. it looked like she was in better homes and gardens, like flowers and all this cool video and right. backdrops, and they talked to another guy, and he's talking about, you know, how to stick together and change, and he's got this cool hat on and this $80 shirt, and... You know, it's 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 nice. It it made me comfortable to watch. Whereas when they talked to me, I was more. I'm. That's just who I am. I'm, right. I'm a little bit more grimy than some of the other leaders out. So the difference between their articles and mine are night and day. You know, their articles, they get the big page, mm-hmm. but then they got 15 minutes of video with cool, you know, cameras and right, all these backdrops right. and <clears throat> sound effects, you know, where they just talk to me and chop mine up. Right, right. So that's the little messages that uh, black people pick up on. Because believe me, the black people are concerned. Every black person's concerned. But yet, you don't see a lot at the rallies. 
There's over 936 African Americans in Deschutes County. I should have 936 African Americans members. Right. Um, but I can't even locate them because a lot of us have our head down. We don't want to talk. We're scared. You know, we're scared. But this is not the time to be scared. I'm scared too, y'all. <laughs> I'm scared too. I took a big risk starting all of this, you know. People have threatened me with their, their rifles and their weapons and, you know, all kind of stuff. But have those threats happened in person? Like, oh, you didn't watch my video when I crossed the line in Primeville? Uh, and I told the guy, you're looking a little racist right now. Oh, he had murder yeah. in his eyes right then. Yeah. The, that guy wanted to fight. He did. He wanted to rip my head off. But at the same time, kudos to him because he kept his cool and right. his friend helped him out. Um, but those are the challenges we got to we got to take. I need to talk to those people. Right. We right. need to sit down and and have those conversations civilly so we can figure it out. You know, a lot of uh, people on the opposition when I go and because I had to learn who these people were. I didn't know until who B.J. Soper was until I started getting calls from the police to look out, you know, and to be careful. And, you know, and that's like, so I got to find out who this guy is, you know. And then I found out he snuck into one of our rallies and had some type of epiphany. And at least on this one thing, equality, we agree. You know, we may not agree right. about everything else, <laughs> right. but this one thing, he was in agreement with me. That blew my mind when I saw his video and he was like, I changed my mind. These guys are just trying to raise awareness, raise a little money and help people. Um, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that kind of statement on video, on social media, yeah. did wonders for one my ego <laughs> two right. the rest of the people who are sharing this ride with us in this movement get to see somebody like that make that kind of statement it was really powerful um so when i get little cues like that that we're winning that we're making change, it gets me even more excited and pumped to do something else and, right. and do something else. Wow. Well, do something else. Like, what? what's the next? Everything, man. <laughs> Everything. But uh, let, me, uh, let me give you an exclusive. Look at you. You just lit up. You're like, yeah. here we go. I, I, let me give you this. Uh, this is... This is an exclusive. I haven't told right. any other newspaper right. or radio this plan. So, I myself, I live in a veterans-only housing complex. Okay. Okay, so only, you have You're to be a veteran to live in Ben. It's owned by Central Oregon Veterans Outreach. Okay. Covo. Uh, shout out to them. And uh, so... This is my place where I kind of restarted when I got custody of the girls. Okay. They're building a, some buildings next to ours. And somebody said, hey, man, I think, you know, you should talk to Kovo about how they got this land because the, they got the land through the city. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. 
But I had already been talking to an incredible guy. I can't put his name out, but he he's about to come out with some revolutionary uh, building material. 60% cheaper than uh, building material now. And he can erect a home without lights and power and plumbing. But he can erect a home in nine hours with this new building material. Okay, he has graciously allowed us, he said he would build us two buildings just out of love. Mm -hmm. So my idea then became, how do we build this? Generational wealth. Well, I've lived in low-income housing a lot. Okay, it's usually garbage. You get the worst of everything, okay? Doesn't make you feel very good right. um, to live there. And I can understand. They got to make it affordable and all that. Right. But my goal and Kobla's goal is to build generational wealth. Well, you can't do that if you feel bad. So I want to try to get land from the city and build little tiny thousand people communities where there's their own store, their own pharmacy, where they don't have to venture out and have their own rec center and community of people of color. And these are people of color that are middle class to lower class, but we're not gonna be accepted. I'm from these places. I know who gets in these places. Like I said, Kobla wants to do things different. So right. we're looking for, we're going to be looking for real families out there doing something. You can be single, but you can't be the dope man and live right, at right. the spot. You can't be unemployed and live at the spot. Which I guess is the difference of from what you've seen in your past, well, right? What I've seen in my past, especially in like lots of, you know... Um, like housing complexes? Yeah, housing or- complexes. It's It's... The lady, their boyfriend, you know, or, you know, 13 people in there, something like that. It's all done out of necessity. But I'm thinking we have enough of those, right? Right, right. So let's open up to the people who are making strides to push forward in life, to do the right things, to, you know, you, you can make a mistake, Everybody makes mistakes. I don't mind. I have a record. But are you out there trying to do the right thing? You know, are you trying to make change for other people? Are you trying to help people? I want to build little thousand people communities throughout Bend like that. Um, so that's that's not a small plan. That's a big. <laughs> that that's, sounds that's big. big to me. That's that's ten that years down the line, to me. right? Yeah. You know, in my thinking, right? Um, but that's my ultimate. I would love to be able to provide that for people right. and, and help them. And now once you're in there, now we got, you know, this is a community. What do you need help in? You know, right. let's help each other. I want to take away the government's part of help. Okay? I'm all for that. I don't want them going to the government for food. I want them asking their neighbor. You know, that's how it used to be done. So that's the way it it, it was best. Sometimes I think about when segregation happened, how that really crippled black people because 
that took away black business. Right. You know, and that took away black communities. Uh, desegregation, yeah. It, it took away black communities and it didn't even work. So I forget the name of the, the school, um, but you remember, everybody knows the picture of the girls walking into yeah, school yeah, yeah. and the military <laughs> guys are there and they're being thrown stuff at. Okay, yeah, the only thing that's changed since then is the black kids don't get spit on when they go to school and there's no military. That school is still segregated. Okay, the black kids do this, the white kids do this. The black kids are still getting terrible grades. The white kids are going to Duke, Maryland, Harvard. Um, so what did that really do? You know, I wanna change that. We can't, what's going on, what I see in America right now is a whole bunch of reform. Reform starts with the letters R-E. What else starts with the letter R-E? Repeat. <laughs> okay, we've done this. The truth is the policies, procedures, and techniques are already in place to treat people equally, to not murder people of color. We already have these. We don't need all this defund the police talk. Yeah, let's take a little money from them because they don't need to look like the army. You know, they don't need tanks driving around. And you right. seen that that car they got in being that little tank they got <laughs> that little SWAT tank. I'm like, for what? For right. what? Um, so I believe in that kind of stuff. But all this reform talk tells me we're about to repeat the same mistakes right. that we've always made. I don't want to have reform talk. I want to talk to you about why your officers keep killing people when there's policies in place. When I talked to uh, Sheriff Shane Nelson, I asked him, what's going on with the hiring process here? Because, you know, obviously there's something going on. You had one sheriff steal quarter million dollars. You got, you know, sheriffs. I saw a sheriff that was in anger management class when I was taking it. <laughs> And he's a sheriff and he's grabbing his wife and being mean to his kid, you know? And then he said, well, you know, the guy that took 250,000, you know, um, we kind of messed up on that hiring. We took a look at the hiring process at that point and we hired a new guy to go over his eval. And, you know, we found that, you know, he was a little narcissistic and we didn't pick up on that on the first one, so we changed it. And I think we're good now, basically. I'm not quoting verbatim, right, but right. <laughs> basically that's what he told me. And I said, well, listen, you know, that's right when the news broke about the sheriff that uh, beat, his, beat up his uh, stepson or whatever that worked in the jails. Uh, and I said, so the hiring process, obviously, it's not working. So how can you and I work together to create a new hiring process? These are the questions we need to be talking about. We don't need to be talking about, you know, let's change Article 839 to match this because of George Floyd. You know, <clears throat> we don't need to be doing that. We need to be demanding from our city officials, our DAs, you know, prosecute people, yes. But prosecute real criminals, um, don't hold people in jail 
for minor infractions just to collect bail for them or have them rot in jail so long on minor offenses that they have to sign, you know, the, the plea deal just to get out of jail and, and feed their family, for Christ's sake. Like, it's so much wrong that we could be changing now <laughs> that we aren't. And we're just talking about reform instead of asking our DA, hey, man, can you just stop with this bail stuff? You know, whatever the bail problem, I'm not a politician. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that guy. I'm a guy that knows what's going to help and is going to make change. And I'm a guy and our, our organization is the organization to challenge these people because uh, it needs that to happen. Now, I'm unorthodox in my challenge because I'm not trained in speaking properly. I'm not trained in right. uh, speeches or it's a lot of emotion and 51 years of seeing everything. Right. Um, so I come off as, you know, a little rough to some people around the edges, but really I love everybody and it's, it's all emotion for me. And people of color are emotional. <laughs> that's, that's what we are. Well, and the biggest difference or the, the thing that stands out to me with what you've said is you are trying to take concrete action you're you're not you're not waiting on or you're not counting on the government to fix things for you not their job right totally not their job all these guys are are complaining about how much is spent on people for welfare and how much is spent on that stuff, which is really minuscule in comparison to the amount of money we send, spend on our defense department. You know They're what I'm like, saying? Everything um, is minuscule. Yeah, that. <laughs> that, that's just incredible to me that we spend that much money. Um, but um, everybody needs to not. The government's not supposed to take care of us, man. We're supposed to take care of each other. Yeah. Um, these police officers should not be showing up at 75% of the cause they got to show up to. They shouldn't be in schools. We should be taking care of most of this stuff ourselves. Uh, police are just there in case it goes. That's when they should show up, when somebody's being hurt. Right. Really, they should be taking the person that was taken care of by the neighborhood to jail okay the neighborhood should stop men from beating their wives or right. um children from running away from home neighbors should be grabbing that kid and saying get your butt at home that's how it was when i was a kid and it was even though i lived in a place that most white people would never even want to come to um I had friends and I knew my neighbors were looking out for me. Right. And that I couldn't get away with stuff because, you know, Miss Carol down the street knows my mama <laughs> and Uncle, uh, Mr. Jimmy knows my grandfather. So, and they all have permission to whoop my butt. You can't even spank your kids no more. So, that's another problem in itself. You right. don't have to beat them, but. Everybody deserves a butt whooping. We're spanking city officials right now trying to get change, right. right? So it sounds like a big thing for you and where I think we align really well is personal individual accountability and responsibility. Yes. Yeah. I love it. 
I want that. And that should be for every American, white, black, yellow, it doesn't right. matter. I, I really believe we count on our government too much. And they've made it easy. You know, once again, that opposing force right. is going to make it easy. Well, yeah, you know? I, I, I think there is a force at work in government that wants wants people to be dependent on yeah. government. Yeah, they need us to be. If we weren't, what what we need them for? And that's that's where kind of I go back to. I mean, at the federal level, I go back to like what the Constitution, Article One of the Constitution, describes as the federal government's role. There's not many of them. Yeah. <laughs> not regulate not interstate commerce and you know create a create a uh, monet create a financial system and raise an army and protect the the borders you know there there is there is a how did small we get away of, from that yeah how did we get into all this other madness yeah. that the government has their fingers in everything now so uh, we can change that yeah. We don't need the government to be into everything. I, I mean, they're into everything. If you're a person of color, every aspect of your life is fear. Fear, because you don't want your neighbors to hear you yelling. Right. You don't want uh, your child to be looking sad at the grocery store. You don't want to post pictures of an injury. My, uh, one of my co-parents, um, the mother of my 11-year-old who lives in Medford, posted a picture of her son, uh, and he had bumped his head, you know. 24 hours later, there they are at her door. Is he okay? Is he... You're posting on Facebook instead of taking him to the hospital. Like... 24 hours and the like government's in there trying to, you know, make house visits and see what's going on because someone's concerned. Okay, what, when do we tell these concerned citizens, why are you calling here, wasting our time? 99% of these calls are in spite of, or they don't like the person. Right. Um, and if you're not going to tell these person, I, I guess you really can't say, you know, we're not going to check that out. Right. But you can say when we check this out and it comes back and you looking a little suspect to us, there's going to be a penalty for you to pay. Right. Uh, we need to start thinking about that kind of stuff because I'm not going to want to. I don't care if I don't like black people. I'm not going to call the cops on them and make something up. And if there's a chance that I have to go to jail or pay some huge fine or right. take this class, because when the change comes, we still got to figure out how the government gets its money, how the judicial system's going to get its money. So that's part of change, too, because once again, they're not going to stop wanting to get the, the money, you know, that they're getting from pulling people over and. Gosh, I had a DUI in 2008. What? In 2008, I had my one and only DUI. Um, changed my life because of how I was treated on that DUI. Okay, I swerved a little on it. And first of all, I, I was tipsy. 
Okay, mm-hmm. I was tipsy, but in my mind, I was driving said person's car to save them from getting a DUI. Right, right. And I got a little swervy, and they pulled me over. And, you know, when black people get pulled over, we have to think about our lives first. And we have to think about what kind of person the police is going to think we are mm-hmm. when they, one, see we're black to run our names and you may have a little bit of something in your past that shows up you know i just happened to be riding with a close friend of mine who did 15 years uh in prison uh for some very serious offenses this is one this this friend of mine is also one of my biggest heroes with the way he's turned his life around right from 20 years ago but at the time It was maybe 10 years after he had completed his sentence. Um, So we get pulled over and he's terribly nervous because he knows what's going to happen if they run his name. So he did what I would have done if I was in the same position thinking about my life. He lied about his name. And I backed him up on this lie because I don't want my friend to die either. Right. So I go to jail and get the DUI and I get out. The very next day they released me, a friend comes and picks me up. I made sure a white friend came to pick me up from jail because black people need white people to pick them up from jail in Deschutes County because the police watch who pick you up so they can run their plate and figure out what's going on with them, Mm -hmm. once again, in everybody's stuff. So when I, I got that person to pick me up, less than a mile, I was pulled over by the same police officer who pulled me over for my DUI who pulled us over for no reason, walked around to the passenger side of the car and began to yell at me for lying to him about my friend's real name. Right. Um, That's the kind of things you have to worry about when you're black or a person of color when you deal with the police. And that's not just here, that's anywhere. You know, so when I moved here and I found out the shock wasn't that in all my life, I'm tired of police being the same way everywhere I go. When I got to Oregon and fell in love with Bend, Oregon, I totally expected that, you know? Right. Now, if I can ask, what was that, when you got pulled over for DUI, what was that experience like in the interaction with the officer? It sucked. It was... I felt bad because I was literally maybe 900 feet from the person's house whose car was. Um, So, uh, you know Fred Meyer and then that little apartment complex right next to it. They pulled me over in Fred Meyer. Okay. Um, And they, they just weren't very nice. And now, honestly, I didn't have a license. Okay, I broke the law, <laughs> clearly. I had been drinking, I didn't have a license, it wasn't my car. As in you didn't have it on you or you didn't I have didn't a license I didn't have a to license. I, to this day, okay. I don't have a license. Okay. That's why my niece drives me around. Okay. Um, so not having any of those things, it was a bad experience for me. Yeah. Now he could have just been, I was, I was nice. You know, listen, I'm not even going to lie to you, sir. I had some drinks. I swerved over the line. I don't have a license. It's not my car. Everything he wanted. The only thing I lied about was my friend's name. Right. Um, But he didn't know that at the time that he's 
being rude to me and treating me like I'm not human um, for a DUI that didn't hurt anybody. I didn't have an accident right. or, or cause that. So there's a certain level of respect you should get even when you're breaking the law. You're about to get your punishment, right? You're about to do time in jail. You're about to give up all this money. You're about to possibly lose your job because you're gonna be in jail for how long until you're able to make bail. Um, so why not treat a person like a human being before you take him to a place right. where he's going to be treated like an animal? Um, that's not the first time. That, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Roseburg laid me down with automatic rifles in the middle of the street for going to someone's house and getting luggage that belonged to me. Uh, but that person just didn't like the fact that I we came. It was... It was four of us. We were traveling together at the time. Um, but we all showed up to get our stuff because we were leaving town. Right. Um, so when I showed up with four black people to go collect luggage and peacefully gathered luggage, took it out, said thank you, and left, they wanted what was in the luggage. So what did the, they do? The people. The people who, we got, they stole the, the luggage. They stole the luggage from the place we were renting. And instead of being angry about it, we just called him and said, listen, we know you have our stuff. We're on our way to come get it and hung up the phone. And they ended up calling the police. So we went there and got it. What, did they they tell had the it ready for us. You stole it from them or what? I don't know what they said to them because right. it was maybe 20 minutes later when we got laid down on the ground. But right. the fact that they could just call with no evidence of anything and weaponize the police against us. You know, I spent three days in jail for what? They kept me another two days. I spent one day in jail because they called the police. I spent another two days in jail because I wouldn't shut my mouth about how unjust it was. So they let two of us go and they kept the loud two, another two days, gave us a court date and when we showed up for our court date a week later, they said, we don't even know who you are. We have no record of you being arrested. We don't even know who you are. In the meantime, we lose our vehicle. We lose our job. Our reputation is done. Right. Um, all because of the color of our skin and then being able to call the police. That's all it took was right. a phone call for my life to be in danger with automatic weapons. Not, can you pull over? You know, not I like have that. to imagine that phone call was probably, they probably blew that up into something much bigger to try and get you into trouble, yeah. yeah but we train these officers for this, right? Right, yeah. We, we train them for this. So, you know, there's gotta be a better way when you, when you know all the evidence you have is ah, police have never been excited and came over and laid anybody down when I called them upset. Mm -hmm. When the white lady, when I was out of town, I had a, uh, there was a white lady that I knew and she wanted to be a hairdresser or something. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, I meet a lot of people that need to get hair done, okay. you know? So, she started going around with uh, me at the time. Now, we go out of town, 
I get a call from a friend that says, hey, you know that girl you've been riding around with? I just saw her crawling out of your kitchen window. So I had a friend go over there and he said, yeah, your brother's ring is missing. He had a giant cool ring that he always wore, but he would leave it in a dish by his bedside. And she went in there because she was mad at him because he didn't want to date her. She was mad at him and took his ring, stole it, got caught stealing it by one of our friends. Uh, And so people told us where she was. She was downtown at the time. There used to be a cell phone store owned by an African-American downtown bend in like, uh, I want to say 2002 or something like that. Mm -hmm. She was there because she knew that guy. So we called the police. Hey, a girl stole our ring. She has it on her now. She's inside this cell phone store hiding from us because we challenged her to give it back. The police came. They talked to us, asked us what happened. We told them. They went inside, talked to her, and then came back out and said, here's your ring. Please leave her alone or we'll arrest you. They didn't arrest her. They didn't ask us if we wanted to file charges. That's just some of the things, you know. And how are you supposed to feel safe after that? So people can now break into your home and and not go to jail, it's just, it's, it's not equal. Right, And right. we need it to be equal because I'd be darned if I crawl out of somebody's window and somebody call the police. What's right. gonna happen to me? I'm gonna get beat up, not only arrested, but beat up on the way. So I just want things to be equal. Koblo wants things to be equal. And that's the way, didn't God want it to be that way? God already figured this yeah, out. Yeah. I saw a great meme on this. God already figured all this race stuff out. He died for all of us, or Jesus died for all of us. You know, not just. Right. So, I don't know what's gonna happen. I kinda do because I'm, I'm kinda focused. I want it to happen so bad that I'm willing to will it to happen. Do you, do you feel like this was the there's always that there there's a moment for everybody at some point where you go, This is the thing. Like this is the thing that that all of this, all of my life has been given me the experience to do this. Yeah. I think Kobla is what it is for me. Yeah. Like I said, I was born on a very historic day for people of color. Like my grandma talked about that day, my mom talked about that day, and it's a it's a serious day to me um, because of what happened to them from protesting that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about it, but the music stopped playing. You know how you win your medal and everybody stands oh, there like I didn't this, know about that, right? and they play dun 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 dun. The music stopped playing when they did that. And you could hear a reporter say, oh my, in a stadium full of people, the Olympics, right? Right. So that's how big a moment and powerful a moment that was. And, you know, look what happened to them. What happened? And we should be celebrating these guys. This, those guys are all, including the Australian guy who came in third. He, he's on my wall at my house because what he did was big too. You know, it took a lot of heart for him to put the pin on that the black people were wearing and stand in solidarity with them on that podium. So um, 
we just need to get back to that mind frame of thinking and stop attacking, attacking. People are crying for help. Kaepernick was crying for help for me. Right. People attacked him, you know? They attacked Muhammad Ali when he didn't want to go to Vietnam. And they attacked Tommy Smith when he held his fist up. And these are all people just asking for help. But when people of color ask for help, it's never the right time. It's mm -hmm. never the right way. You know, it's the same way of doing things. You have to do it through a certain process. And that process just goes in a circle and you never get there. And that's, that, that seems to be the big difference with what you've created is your you're not playing within that system in a way you're you're like no we're gonna we're gonna make business happen we're going to get people involved in business you're you're working directly to give people of color the tools to have an impact like you said generational wealth like creating creating a a, a change in their families' lives for generations. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's about time. It's been rough. The way that we do things makes it a little bit tougher for us to get to the places that we need to get, but... What do you mean, the, uh, the way that we do things? Well, you know, I'm a door kicker. That's that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a call you. I'm going to ask oh, our right. members to call you until we get a response. We weren't on the committee that helped choose the new police chief, um, but thanks to our members and supporters, phone calls, emails, they called me. Right. You know, and they and that's, asked. That's where, like you say, when you get groups of people together, that's where local change, local democratic yeah. change happens is when you get people together and they stand up and say, we, we would, we in not just want to be a part of this, we insist on being a part right. of this. That's where community, and we go back to what you were saying, like the, the larger role that a community plays in the bigger community around it is when you have those people together to say, we want to be a part of this because we are a part of this. Right, right, right. It, it's, it's a big challenge. And it, it's been very satisfying. Yeah, uh, I would imagine. Me. It's been hard work. I haven't got a lot of sleep. <laughs> uh, you know, especially being a single father on top of it all. Right. Um, and a dog owner. So, and a know, dog it's owner. A lot to consider. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a, a chihuahua. <laughs> he has three feet. He's missing one foot on his back leg. So his nickname Does is... Do you have like a little chihuahua prosthetic? Like a little... <laughs> no. But his nickname is uh, the yardstick because yeah. he only has three feet. <laughs> okay. So, That's and bad. I just love That's him. That's bad. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. But, uh, you know, there's other... I have another life. You know, I have the, right. a t-shirt business that... Uh, thanks to Cobla is recovering from COVID because I lost it during that. And I couldn't get, I didn't get a, I didn't get a, I don't even remember what they call it now. I didn't get this $1,200 right, check. Right, the, the, uh, the PPP loans or whatever. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I'm talking about the every American, oh, oh, you know, oh, because the... I was six months behind on my child support. So that money went to pay off back child support, which is totally understandable, but hey, my right. kids needed to eat too. 
right. at that time. You know, my kids needed things too at that time. I just think the government, when they put that package together, I'm all about paying my child support. Um, but in a pandemic, my kids that live with me are just as important as right. they need to get. And that was a struggle for us when we didn't get that, when we didn't get the PPE for my business even, uh, or I didn't make enough money to get unemployment. So I spent months trying to figure out ways to eat and to pay my rent and to be creative at those times when really I should have been able to, and I did it a lot only because I live in a veteran community, count on my neighbors, you know? Mm -hmm. Neighbors would bring food by, neighbors would come and take the girls places so I could do little jobs to get a little money, you know, things like that. That's community life, you know, not government telling us, you know, do this, do that, you know. So that's also the business you own here in Bend is a t-shirt, t-shirt printing business, t-shirt. Yeah, we make uh, t-shirts, we do shorts, jeans, pants, um, but we use vinyl. Um, We don't screen print or anything like that. So uh, kind of a throwback style of t-shirt printing. But I like it because, you know, yeah. veterans are... And you, you then that's starting to get traction again? Yeah, it's starting to make moves through COBLA. So okay. um, with the uh, help of some of the other organizations, we got on, you know, got vocal on a uh, black-owned business list and that kind of thing. So that kind of generated some business and then... Uh, we sell T-shirts and stuff on our site and masks and stuff on our site. So um, that also, we buy, Kobla buys all that stuff from Voca. So, okay. um, which is awesome because Voca just happens to give away part of their proceeds to veterans. So um, it's all community-like, even right, when we right. work with other people. So what's the, as we, if, if we wrap things up, what's the... The one, the one, the one thing you want to get out there that you haven't, that people haven't caught on to, or you haven't had a chance to say, or you just want to say again, like what's the two one? things? Yeah. Which camera is focused at me? This one. Yeah. Black people, I need you to sign up for membership. Let's unify and get together. People of color, I need you to unify and get together and we all need to be on membership so we can make bully change. I call it bully change. We can bully vote. We can build a black economy and people of color economy if we get together. Um, That's what COBLA is all about. That's what we're using uh, the funds for every day is pushing to make things better for people of color, but we need people of color to be all in. So, um, that's one big thing. I want to see lots more membership from people of color. Uh, so get at us. And another thing is this is all a process. Everybody, um, let's not forget the humanity in everything this involves. You know, we can't as white people expect black people and people of color not to be angry. We can't expect that and we can't verbally punish them for that um, because it's a lifetime of anger. My mother told me something that resonates with me and she only said this a couple of weeks ago so it's not like it was lifetime, but uh, she says, 
White people don't know what black people and people of color go through on a daily basis to live life. And that's true. And even white people can acknowledge that. But the effects that kind of life has on you when you live it day after day after day after day is tremendous. So that's, you know, why black people are angry. That's why black people are so emotional because it's all their life been building up to them. And each time one of us get killed by police, it just comes out. So we want to remember the humanity in our people of color if we're not of color. And for people of color, we want to remember the humanity in our white allies and even those who are not allies. I took a lot of flack for um, siding with uh, Greg Walker and endorsing his program. Um, I don't know if you know about that. No, uh uh-uh. So Greg Walker is a... Uh, ex uh, special forces guy. Okay. Also spent some time in the sheriff's department here in Deschutes County. Uh, now retired, and he's an author, and he's created this incredible training program for police officers that basically is called Verbal Judo, and it teaches police officers how to police themselves, basically. Okay. So it teaches them how to de-escalate their partner. It teaches them how to notice when their partner may be starting to cross the line and take action. Okay. Uh, all the way up to restraining their own partner. Okay. This is something that does two things for people of color in this community. One, it's going to save black lives and people of color's lives. But just by the officers taking the training... Two, you can't have any excuses for killing someone unreasonably, okay? If their life's in danger, it's in danger. But murdering people like Mr. Floyd was murdered, there's no excuse for that, and there's swift punishment because how can you say you feared for your life? How can you say I was just backing up my partner if you've been through this training? Okay. Okay. It's a level of responsibility to that that you have to uphold. So uh, Greg Walker is also somebody that speaks his mind. Um, And his Facebook honestly had some things that were concerning. Um, Very concerning (laughs) to a lot of people, myself included. Rather than... uh, attack him for what was going on on this personal page, I thought about the training process, which should have been implemented starting next week. Mm-hmm. But through comments on his page and people focusing on what he was saying on his page, instead of focusing on the training that was state sanction, you know, right, it meets right. all the hubbub of the state to do. One of the first programs of its kind right now to get it done, they had to back out of it because they were getting so much flack from social media. Uh, right. We actually <laughs> lost a supporter over it. But you, and you, you were like, yeah, this training does exactly what you feel needs. This training like, is no matter what I said on my Facebook post was Kobla endorses 
Greg Walker's training and not his Facebook page. And then I talked to him privately about it. And you know what happened when I did that? He spoke to another woman who should hate police because uh, police killed her son in here in 2016. Mm-hmm. So she should, she has no reason to like police or ex-police. And she spoke with Greg and uh, she spoke to me after and we spoke. She said, you know, people told me he was right wing. People told me I shouldn't talk to him, but I met him to give him an opportunity. You know, and he was complicated (laughs) and, you know, I didn't like some of his opinions, but his heart's good. He wants to help people. So there's that. There's food for thought in that. And then when I talked to him, he started going over his own page, removing things that he thought would hurt people's feelings. This is what we want. And when I made a video about it, I I put it out to the people. This is what we want. How can we make change and get people who are on the other are on the fence and could go either way? How can we get change if we're attacking them? That's what remembering the humanity in this is all about. How can we make change if this guy who hasn't even made up his mind yet? but has said bad things and good things, why would you take away or try to get rid of something that's gonna save lives and hold policemen accountable for that? When we could just talk, a little bit of nice talk to Greg was all it took for him to re-educate himself and look objectively at himself and start removing things from his Facebook. I hope one day this training comes back because it's needed. Either that training or build our own. Uh, But it it really, Deschutes County took a big loss when we lost Greg Walker's program. Now, Greg Walker's Facebook, but his program. Right. Um, And I really believe that. So we want to remember the humanity, please, guys. Everybody's new at this, everybody's learning. So please don't attack our white allies when they ask stupid questions. They're going to ask those because they don't know any better. And why would they? Okay? We have to remember they've lived a life. uh, Somebody told me the other day, you know, if you've lived the life of rich people and then you lose money and you start living the life of someone middle class, you're still going to know rich people, but your relationship's going to change with them. You're going to think about them differently, you know? Um, and, and it's the same with that, you know? We have to, we have to come together and, and talk and, and, and be humane to each other, even if we don't agree. On that, <clears throat> I think that is... <laughs> That's the heart and soul of everything. I mean, certainly that's obviously as a person who came up with the idea for this show, it's all about talking to people. Yeah, yeah. That remembering the humanity of everyone involved, whether it's the police officers, the, the white people, the people of color, just remembering that the, the humanity that underlies it all and that with that so many times that open communication, opening that line of communication just breaks down, breaks down walls. Yeah, if you can get there, if you can get in front of somebody, you can talk civilly 
things can happen. And I think that can happen with any person, even the dirtiest racist who's been racist all their life. It's been done before. Yeah. It's happened before. Grand wizards have quit. <laughs> you know, so I don't fear these conversations. I've right. had them with people already. Right. Um, but I want to have them civilly so we can hear each other yeah. and, and try to figure it out because that's, that's what it's all about. Not the rhetoric of, yeah, we want change. And then posting something on your Instagram and we're good after that. No, I need to see. That's why I say about some of these other organizations in town. I need to see them. You know, I've heard about every one of them. I've talked to them on video call and had that meeting where all the groups get together and try to help each other. One group reached out to us, by the way. But that's what it's for, you know, to talk and get things together. But I don't see, we need grunt work. <laughs> we need people in the streets. This is a battle, you know. We need people out there talking to people, everyday people you know, and just sharing their experience. And I don't, I see a lot of elbow shrubbing with city council and chief of police and the mayor. And I see these organizations doing a lot of that. Um, but nobody's talking to me. Nobody's, you know, very few. I, I'm not gonna say nobody, but the people I see out schmoozing and elbowing, they're not talking to me. Right. I stopped, I had to stop one of them in Walmart yesterday and say, look man, I'd like to get some applicants from you. This is a man that has access to quality people of color applicants. Why isn't he calling me? Why isn't he saying, hey man, you got room for this guy? He's great, right? That's, that's what he's there for. But I'm not getting these conversations unless I'm stopping them at the stores or, you know, I'm right. invading. I've gone to a couple of meetings and been like, hey, I need this or, you know, let's talk. So we need to get back to communication. Please, anybody out there want to talk to Kobla? I am open. That is why my personal phone number is on our business card, not a business line. Plus, I couldn't afford it. But, um, <laughs> right. You know, we're open to talking and, and, and doing th stuff. So if anybody ever has questions, they can always reach out to us. You know, I'll send a representative. If you got questions, you're white, and you want to ask questions without the fear of being jumped on and attacked right. online, call us. I'll send somebody out there. We'll meet you anywhere. You can have a talk with one of us. You know, I talked to one lady who said she'd never had a, a black friend in her life. I talked to that lady for almost an hour. I said, you got a black friend now? And I talk to her regularly now. So it can happen. It can happen. It will happen. Yeah. Uh, because Cobla is all about that change, man. I, I'm excited about Cobla's future. We're we're so young. <laughs> we're so young. When we get a year in this game and um, our members learn how to work with each other, and I know who I can trust, and um, the board's been together a good year, the change that's going to happen is going to be just immense. Right. I, I just feel it. Right? I just feel it. As soon as internship program came to my mind, I just felt it after that. That's that's what this is for. That's right. You know, so All right, well I think we'll wrap it up there, man. Cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time yeah. and making <laughs> sitting down actually face to face, yeah. six feet apart. 
appreciate it. I appreciate uh, you guys having me. Uh, yeah. Invite me back in six months. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll we'll check again. back in and see where things are going. All right. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks for joining us. The Call to Create with host Charlie Teal is presented by Ghost Village Films and captured at Open Space Event Studio in Bend, Oregon. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and review on YouTube, iTunes, or your favorite listening platform.